Our elephant doesn't have a horn. That rhino has a horn. <laughs> Let's get that rhino. And Sky went to Arizona. Balmy, 80 degree Arizona. <clears throat> How was it, Sky? <clears throat> it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it. The last night that we were there, uh, we went, my mother-in-law scheduled a ghost tour oh, man. around this town of Jerome, and we weren't really sure what Jerome was. It's uh, a person. And, well, no, it's a, it's a town. And Named after it was weird. She's like, yeah, it's a ghost town, so it'll be, you know, like, it's a, it's a, it's a ghost tour in a ghost town. So, I mean, those are two different things. But it turned out that Jerome has both of those things, and we did both of those things. <laughs> Jerome is a ghost town. Not like the happy-go-lucky Wild West ghost town that you see in movies. It was it was a, a sad, like, <clears throat> mining town that went from 15,000 people to, to, like, 400 in just a couple years to 400 people total. Oh, man. And uh, so it went through this crazy depression, and it's basically just all bars and tourist shops now. Oh. And so we drove, like, two hours up, up this mountain, and it's on this cliff. And it was like it's, like, one of Arizona's oldest towns, and it has, like, the second oldest, uh, what was it? It had the Ghost. second oldest church in Arizona, <laughs> and it had the first oldest restaurant i think the first oldest restaurant <laughs> first oldest <laughs> that's actually yeah. what they call them you know it's the first oldest restaurant yeah so it was i don't know what my mother-in-law thought she was signing up for but when she found out that the ghost tour that she reserved was a woman uh going around showing us where she thinks ghosts are and taking pictures for orbs she was kind of <laughs> i don't know put off or or like no wasn't exactly what she expected i think she was expecting just kind of a person going around like yeah they say you know old man jenkins lives in this you know this this hotel day, because yeah people can hear yeah <laughs> But it wasn't that. She did give a lot of history, which was nice about the town. It was nice and depressing. So it was great. She gave us these meters, too. And uh, you held them in your hand. And when you moved around, it would beep. And then it would stop beeping and, beeping and a light would come on. <clears throat> and then you could, it, that meant that you, like, basically, like, Found a ghost. honed on on a ghost or, like, spirit. Oh, oh, and it was, dang. like, listening to you. And yeah. so then you could ask yes or no questions. And it would beep once for no and no it'd be once for yes twice for no and so we we ask those questions all night yeah my sister-in-laws are really into it it was especially helpful if you found a ghost horse (laughs) because they were they're already used to the you know paw or you know against the ground (laughs) once for yes no just all it's always no because it's always nay right i thought that's where you're going no i'm not kyle Oh, oh. oh I you guys. This is I just this is just the first joke too. podcast. <laughs> so yeah, so we did that that night, and almost, and we're terrified, wandering around this you know depressed town uh, at eight thirty at night, um, looking at buildings that used to be brothels. Uh, ah, yeah, it was cool. Um, brothels. It was interesting, but yeah, so that's how we ended our, I ended my trip to Arizona, and then I got on a plane where I got sick, and now we're here. 
And now we're here. Well, I was also on a plane because I went to a convention for my work. Uh, It was a lot less fun. I saw no ghosts. Um, But uh, I had a fun experience. Uh, You know how recently we had a very cool, a very awesome uh, reviewer uh, say that we had electric personalities. Anyway, at this show, uh, someone at the show, uh, yeah, we have our khakis and we have to wear a company uh, shirt. You know, we always have the silly, you know, it has logos and everything. This year we also had on top of our polo, we had a pullover that went over top of the polo to match it and whatever. Styling. uh, Yeah. I got pulled aside by one of our, uh, one of the uh, people that we work with, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, uh, people at the show anyway and they're like where did you get these coats like, <laughs> what are you talking about you know like it's just a it's just a pullover jacket you know like and there uh she was she goes this is really hip and cool i really want i want one of these and she literally said these are really hip and cool these are really hip and cool and electrify and i and i for a moment i was taken aback i thought i've never in my life been described as hip and cool <laughs> That's this, awesome. This is the first time this is ever. It, this is the first and last time I will ever be described. <laughs> I hate to burst your hip. bubble, Kyle, but if anyone <laughs> says the terms or the words "hip and cool," they are no longer an authority on either. Don't, don't take this away from me, Sky. <laughs> okay. Well, these jackets are the bee's knees. <laughs> the bee's knees. Kyle starts yeah, blushing. Oh. Oh gosh. Oh my. Oh my. These are the cat's pajamas. No, no literally, literally, I have the pajamas for my cat that look just like this jacket. It's adorable. <laughs> oh, man. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. That's so at a different convention. Not, <laughs> not, only are, are, not only do we have electric personalities, at least one third of our staff or our, our team is uh, hip and cool. So there you go. And now we're ready to uh, to play a cool game. It's your night tonight, it's Kyle. It's so hip and cool. It's my night. It's going to be hip and cool night, guys. Today we're going from hip to, to cool. cool. To cool. <laughs> I told you that story so I could tell you this one. No. Uh, uh. <laughs> all right. So uh, welcome, welcome to uh, We Should Know Better, the uh, podcast where we hitchhike across Wikipedia like fact toppers. Uh, just going from from page to page, trying to find our way from one random page to another random page and laughing at weird things on Wikipedia most of the time. I am Kyle. I'm Sky. And I'm Tim. <laughs> I'm, I'm Tim. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. As you might have heard, I'm Tim. <laughs> the best it's part so- of that is that that's on a different track. Yep. So Sky can actually cut that. And now it's going to sound like Tim is is repeating himself for no discernible reason. I'm just going to make it say, I'm just going to make it say I'm sky. And then Tim go, I'm Tim. I'm not. (laughs) I'll be like, all right. Oh, can we do it again? (laughs) Nope. Nope. One take. One take is all it takes. All right. Uh, If you've not listened to the show before, um, what have what have you been doing? Why have you not been listening to the show? Yeah, what have some, you been doing? What's wrong with you? Putting some really cool stuff up on YouTube with our really neat uh, take uh, outtakes. Okay, yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. do that last week because I was in Arizona. All right, yeah, that part. <clears> sorry, <throat> but, but otherwise, otherwise, you should be listening to us all the time. Really cool stuff. Cool. 
Um, but the way the, the game is played is I will give these guys a page on Wikipedia to start at. And uh, through the rest of the episode, they will be clicking on links within those articles to try to find their way to a goal page in the fewest clicks possible and learning about weird things along the way. Uh, so we usually start out our games. Each of us has our own way of starting the game uh, to determine who gets to go first. And uh, for my toss up, I generally like to pull from the family game book which is a book that I found at a thrift store from the 60s that is full of these small games that you might find on a very sad Pinterest page now that you can <laughs> play with your kids. And uh, and they're supposed to be educational. This game or this this book uh, has separate headings for educational games for boys and girls, for boys and their fathers, and just for boys and Look, there's just a lot of things here that's kind of male-centric. It's really weird. But I will give these guys the name of a game, and they have to tell me what it is. Guys, I was really torn over which one to do tonight. I had I had two really good ones, which has been the case almost every time so far. Somebody, but, is somebody eating something? No. Okay. I just heard, not, I just heard like, Cheeto scratching. That, that's Cheeto scratching? Yeah. Are you moving over there, Tim? No. <laughs> Okay. Why do you always go to me first? Why? Why indeed? <laughs> you playing with packaging tape? No, I'm all out. Okay. Are you, are you playing Bit Trip Fate? Nope. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So today, uh, tonight's game. You know what? I'll give you our starting page first, and we'll and I'll, and we'll get that started, so you guys can be thinking about it before we get. That's into a good the game idea. Itself. Okay. Uh, since I don't know if you guys were paying attention to Twitter at all in the last days or Tumblr, I guess either of those probably exploded this weekend with this. Uh, but apparently Sunday was International Women's Day. Yeah. Uh, which is super cool. And I recently learned about a super cool lady. <laughs> so we're starting on her page at uh, right. on Wikipedia. We're going to start at Katie Sandwina. And Katie Sandwina. That last name is spelled S-A-N-D-W-I-N-A, and there's a story behind it. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, Katie Sandwina is where we're starting, and we're going from her to another super cool lady, Amelia Earhart. Oh, look at you. So yeah, I made a theme episode, guys. Yay. I'm, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> the, the scary, like, theme episodes are always kind of scary to come up with because... The odds are the theme might be too well connected. Yes. <laughs> so you have to come up with a theme that's like not going to get there in like one or two clicks. Yeah. And it is, it is harder than it looks. <laughs> I actually, I, I ran this probably five or six times before I got it to a, a significantly far enough away that I thought this would be a decent challenge. Okay. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. You cool. guys might, you guys might uh, Pythagoras your way out of this one and... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, get there in two clicks. That's going to be a thing. So, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with that. So that's our starting page and that's our ending page. We're going to learn about those people as we go. All right. But in the meantime, you guys, uh, speaking of two people, uh, you guys get to do a or tell me what a game called. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to do that one. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm deciding against him. I'm doing the other okay, one. Okay. Calling an audible. I'm calling an audible. Oh, wow. Oh, you guys. Uh, we're instead of uh, 
the one I was going to do, which was telephone time. Uh huh. <laughs> telephone time. Yeah, that seems too straightforward now that I now that I'm considering it. Okay. Instead, instead we're going to go with date rate. Date rate. Rate R A T E. R A T E. Oh my yes. gosh. And date you guys rate. get to tell me what date rate, and I'm oh being very gosh. specific. Trying yes, really hard not yes, to say please, that. Please enunciate. Please, yes, please enunciate <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> date rate. What is the game that boys and girls from <sighs> six to ten can play with date rate? What what educational thing can they learn with a title like that? Date rate. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> Do you want you want you guys want me to give you a couple minutes to think about this? I I think I have it. <laughs> Mine's really dumb. Awesome. <laughs> it's the first awesome. thing that came to my mind. Well, not the first thing that came to my mind, but it's the <laughs> uh, it's, it's the first thing that that seems relevant that came to my mind. Sure. Um, yes. So this is a game where the kids take turns. There's there's <laughs> one one player is the shop owner, mm. and you need like monopoly money or oh, just to raid the change from your your dad's junk drawer. Um, and then the rest of the players are customers and in this shop, it's like a bizarro world shop where the prices are all dates. So like the rates are dates, (laughs) like days in the year. (laughs) And so you walk up and you're like, how much for this pound of flour? And he's like, February 26th. And so you're like, oh, two twenty six. That's a fair price. And you give him two dollars and twenty six cents. And oh. then this goes on, and you're like, how much for this banana? And he's like, he's like February twenty ninth, and you don't know what to do because it is not a leap year, so that date doesn't exist, which means <laughs> so it's, it's free. free. So all the bananas are free. So. Your game works really well as long as it only costs up to the first quarter, essentially, of anything. Yeah. Well. Uh, although, again, technically speaking, you improved on the game that it really is. We do that uh, every time, don't we? I know. All okay. right. This is amazing, though. I, I applaud your effort, Sky. That's very nice. Uh, Tim, what do you got? Okay. So Date Rate is a game where uh, you go with Daddy. I knew you were going to go with daddy. <laughs> to um, various uh, establishments uh, so that you can get your special discounts um, <laughs> to make um, the process of finding a new mommy cheaper. Okay. <laughs> so like you can, you can order it off the kids menu? Is that what yes. you're saying? Yes. <laughs> you, can impress, yes. you can press daddy's date with a junior cheeseburger. Right. Also, yeah, also, uh, she then knows there's a kid involved already. So, I yeah, mean, that's, and if she can handle right this, there. then it's a go. If she yeah. can't, then, yeah. <laughs> then we know how to rate that date. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Tim, I really feel like you have some issues you may need to tell us about someday. I just, but... I just don't trust the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone thinks you're so ideal, and I don't think that. I think there is always a lot going on under the surface. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm there. And I'm with just you. trying to expose it for what it was. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there with you. In fact, uh, this 
in fact, several of the games in this book end up feeling a lot like what you're talking about. <laughs> like there's something else happening here a lot of the time. Not in this one, though. I'm just going to read straight from the book because this is a, this is just amazing. Because the months of the year are, are of peculiar fascination, but often amusing, but often cause amusing confusion, especially for six to eight year olds. This is an experience <laughs> I've had. Yeah. Uh, date rate will prove a most popular pastime. Any number can play. <laughs> As the leader or a volunteer moves in and out among the players, they have like a, a duck, duck, goose circle, essentially. Yeah. But as walk around, uh, the, the leader chants slowly or quickly as he prefers the following. Oh, man. And I quote, <laughs> don't be late. A fact to state about a date in the month of blank, end quote. And the at that point, the leader taps a player, shouts September or some other month, and then begins to count. Before he reaches 20 or 10 for 10-year-olds, the player selected must give a fact about the month and name. <laughs> what? He may, <laughs> he may state, September is 30 days. September is the first month of school. Please don't, please stop hitting me. Uh, <laughs> September is September the, is the day the month when mommy left. Oh. <laughs> uh, if a player states a fact September, in time. September is an anxious month. <laughs> September is a busy month. If the player states a fact in time, he takes the leader's place. There is no rule against repeating the same month more than once, but the same fact may not be used again. Dun, well, yeah, dun, otherwise dun. you can only play 12 rounds. <laughs> um, by eliminating the perambulating it, you can play date rate as a card game for parent and child. Allow birthdays and other personal anniversaries because otherwise your child will kill you. Yep. Uh, that sounds really boring. It sounds really More boring than just writing in silence. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Uh, it says specifically 10 year olds will enjoy a challenge to give as many facts as possible by the count of 20. That's amazing. That's not, that's not something I've ever known any 10-year-old. I am going to count to 20, and you better have at least five facts about the month of May. <laughs> Go. Uh, turning this car right around. We're not <laughs> no going to SeaWorld. No one's getting ice cream. Uh, wow. So, uh, Sky, I guess you're the closest. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know. What to, I mean, that, that game is just amazing, and I... I hope someone played that with their child in a car somewhere. I was like, you know what? You know what? <laughs> Don't be late. Oh, a fact to state about. <laughs> <laughs> There's some child who is just scarred by hearing that. Yeah, I'm sure. About the date. Uh, the month of blank. Going back to this being a, a Cold War <laughs> <laughs> Soviet book. Uh, you, you probably just uh, activated somebody somewhere. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> well actually i can i can just you know i can ni neither confirm or deny that i'm involved with anything like that sky so yeah sure all right uh anyway i'm glad i get to go first because this is not a long page <laughs> yeah uh katie sanduina is a person that i learned about uh via another podcast but her story is so cool i wanted to talk about it anyway even though her facebook page facebook yep nope not facebook her wikipedia page <laughs> Yeah, she might have a Facebook page somewhere. She died um, in 1952. But yeah, she you know, she might. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, her story is so cool. I wanted to share it anyway. 
<clears throat> because she is uh, probably one of the bases for, again, uh, like Runyon of a couple podcasts ago, uh, one of the bases for a sort of a trope in movies and comics and things like that that we all know about, <clears throat> but we don't really think about where it came from. So Katie Sandwina, uh, she is an Austrian-born uh, circus strongwoman. Uh, she is one of 14 children in a family. Uh, her parents were both circus performers as well. Her dad was in, uh, specifically was a strongman. And uh, hmm. she showed a lot of promise early on. And eventually she started lifting alongside her dad. <laughs> This lady is, uh, they don't have her measurements here, and I, I couldn't find a reliable uh, like listing of what it was like at her max or at her, you know, in her heyday, I guess. Sure, yeah. But uh, she was remarkably strong. The, 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 her name is actually, uh, her, her, she was born Katie Brumbach, uh, but she adopted the name Sandwina after an encounter in New York. <clears throat> she outlifted a bodybuilding um, well, he was a, he was a, a famous strongman, uh, Eugene Sandow, who is famous for basically posing nude once or twice, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause that was a thing you could do if you were a dude in that time. And people were like, oh, he's super attractive, I guess. I don't know. Super muscular. There you go. Uh, you could get away with a lot of stuff, I guess. Anyway. Um, she not like today. No, she outlifted him. And not just outlifted him. This uh, she one of her shows. Uh, she would basically challenge people. Uh, they could pick whatever they wanted to lift, and she would lift it, and then they would lift it, and it would go back and forth until someone failed, essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> yeah, this could be dangerous. She lifted uh, a weight of three hundred pounds over her head. That's wow. a clean and press of three hundred. Pounds. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and and Eugene Sandow could not do it, and uh, he could only get it up to his chest. Could not lift it over his head, and so she either in either as a honorific or 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 to make fun of him, adopted the name Sandwina in her <laughs> um, yeah in her shows across the U.S. She like stole his name essentially. Yeah, that's pretty <clears throat> awesome. Oh, but even better than that, uh, her husband who uh, Max Heyman, uh, he weighed 165 pounds and <laughs> in her performances, she would routinely pick him up with one arm. Sure. Like it, it's just a thing that happened a lot. And, um, <laughs> it's just a thing they did. Yeah. Well, it go there. The way they met, it was not on this Wikipedia page, but I was able to find it. It was on this podcast. And I was able to corroborate it. She met her husband uh, back, back in Austria or actually as they were traveling Europe uh, their family would do basically wrestling competitions. Yeah. And as you might imagine, dudes would line up and pay a lot of money to try to wrestle against a super strong lady. And one of the guys uh, who she outweighed, uh, he was an acrobat and he uh, thought he was apparently quick enough for whatever. He walked into the walked into the ring with her. And one second later was on his back. And according to him, according to his story, he walked into the ring and the next thing he knew, he was looking up at the sky and, uh, and he knew that this was the woman he needed to marry. <laughs> yeah. 
romance. This is this is how speed dating should go. Yeah, yeah. Well, and apparently he was not the only one who was uh, knocked out by love. Uh, she she fell for him pretty hard, and uh, they married <laughs> like immediately. It's like man, he he made such a. <laughs> Nice sound when I slammed into the <laughs> he ground. He completely it's, crumpled to the ground. This is great. That's adorable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they married basically immediately, uh, or pretty quickly after anyway, and he became a part of the act. Wow. She was so intense about her lifting uh, that she uh, she she uh, she ended up having two children. Uh, they they had two, two children together, and uh, actually they they were married. Uh, they stayed married their entire life. Uh, uh, he outlived her by a couple years, but um, yeah, they were they were together their entire lives. Uh-huh. But she was so intense about her lifting that as she was pregnant, she would continue her shows. Wow! Right up until the day she had each baby. Jeez! The night that she had her first child, she had to leave her show after the like after the show was over, and then she went and had a baby. Wow! Yeah. So- yeah. Uh, well, that she just, that just doesn't seem wise. Hey, it worked for her. In fact, the kid was healthy and fine. And uh, the next and the same thing happened with the next one. There's a deeper story into that. I'm not going to go into that uh, specifically, but um, basically she had to cross war lines at some point to have her second child in a hospital. And so she did. Uh, she is a very intense lady. After she left the after she left the circus, which uh We'll get to that in a second. But after she left the circus, she and her husband started a restaurant. And even to into her 60s and and like early 70s, uh, she would continue to lift. People would show up at this restaurant to see her lift things. Wow. And uh, she was also the acting um, the acting bouncer for the bar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, people would come in and, you know, they get rowdy cook? or whatever. What's that? Was her husband the cook or something? I guess, yeah. Just owned it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it she would uh, she would throw him out, and they would get so upset about being thrown out by, but I mean she was so respected as well uh, that they, you know, she would give them such a guilt trip <laughs> as she was throwing them out. Yeah. That uh, they would frequently get presents and or letters saying, "Please, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean. I you know I had too much to drink." I, you know, I didn't mean to do that. That was wrong of me. You know, let me come back. I'll, I'll make it up to you guys. That's cool. Uh, Yeah. But she was best known for, uh, being a starring role in the Barnum and Bailey, or Ringling Bros and Barnum, Barnum and Bailey circus for many years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, she and her husband both and their kids actually at some point or eventually were in the act. Um, which is probably where we get the kind of comic concept of a very strong woman who falls in love with a very small man. Yeah, probably. <laughs> because lots of people who are make, who made this media would have seen that circus as a kid and maybe not realizing it specifically, but that got in their subconscious somehow. So Katie Sanduina is a super cool lady, super strong lady. And in, in the uh, Wikipedia page, they do actually have a picture of her picking up three men. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like it's no big thing. Doing one arm and <laughs> yeah. one the other. Um, anyway, where do you guys want to go first? Well, I was going to say, since we referenced that podcast so many times, do you remember which one it was? It is. <laughs> so the... someone wanted to listen to it. They could. What? No, they should just talk to us. 
Uh, the podcast. You're so openly, <laughs> just yeah. openly borrowing facts yeah, from them. You know. Yeah. I suppose that's a good point. Uh, no, this is the this was the stuff you missed in history class oh, okay. podcast, which I which I really enjoy listening to. And I haven't listened to that in a long time. This, you should listen to it. There's cool the, stuff the like this. The two ladies. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are very cool. I like them both. Cool. Uh, you can find you can just find that uh, just by searching her name on their website. Well, where I'm gonna go is in the popular culture section because how could I not? Mm-hmm. It says that uh, Sanduina is depicted as a member of a secret society of bodyguards projecting, protecting the leaders of the radical suffragettes in the graphic novel trilogy Suffragitsu, Mrs. Panhurst <laughs> Amazons. I'm really, I and that really apparently just came out in 2015 or has it yes. come out in 2015? But I think I, it's still coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I can't click on Suffragitsu, Mrs. Panhurst Amazons. I'm really um, glad someone did. Yes. I'm thinking, you know, if, if, Sandwina's in there, maybe Amelia's in there, or another mm. lady that can get me there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna click on that because I mean, one of the like alternate histories and stuff, like you know, Amelia Earhart's often depicted as oh, she didn't really die, you know, she's actually part of a secret, yep, you know, society. So, yep, that's what I'm clicking on is Suffragitsu. Very cool, very cool. All right, Tim. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, where she worked, uh, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. That'd be awesome. Because they are actually have been in the news recently too, and that's kind of interesting. Were they really? I, I don't yeah. Know. Oh, I'll tell you more when, uh, when we, we get that. there. <laughs> when yeah. we get there, yay! Well, one of you guys <clears throat> took the same route I did, so uh, I'm not going to tell you guys which yet. Uh, it's got to be suffragettes. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine it not being. That. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, that's such a great name, and yep. yeah, that was I was I was drawn to it immediately as well. But um, all right, yep. Sky. It's a graphic novel trilogy published by Jet City Comics. It's about the adventures of an all-woman secret society of bodyguards, basically like uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but but. Extraordinary gentle ladies. Yes. Not so gentle ladies. <clears throat> and it takes place around 1914 as they protect radical suffragettes. Uh, let's see. It's written by people as it is. Let's see what the premise here. Uh, it's set during the height of the English women's suffrage protests of the early 20th century, which included acts of mass civil disobedience, nonviolent sabotage, and even riots as pro and anti-suffragettes. Uh, battled over the right of women to vote in national elections. Uh, many, many suffragettes were imprisoned. Uh, and in response to the so-called cat and mouse legislation, oh, cat, the cat and mouse, leg, uh, the, the cat and mouse act uh, allowed hunger striking incarcerated suffragettes to be temporarily released from prison and then re rearrested when their health had sufficiently recovered. So, I guess it's just, um, you know, a way around looking bad, but still getting them in the end. Um, in response to this, the Women's Social and Political Union established an all-woman bodyguard team. <laughs> an all-woman bodyguard team is is uh, a that's link. Like in your, that's your Amazon keyword, isn't it? Like, they're just like... Things, things you would like on, oh my on Amazon, an all-woman bodyguard team. Yes. <laughs> Wait, no, this really happened. I thought this was just like an alternate history thing. Uh, it's partially, but yes. 
No, they're, yeah, they were trained by Edith Margaret Garand, and they were called the Bodyguard and dub and dubbed Jujitsu. Ju, was that Jujitsu frets? I need to find this. I'm and sorry. Amazons. Um, they clashed with the police and employing decoy and subterfuge task tactics as well as hand to hand combat to protect fugitive suffragettes from arrest and assault. So they actually had like this little like ninja bodyguard team that that protected these women. That's I'm amazing. Clicking this, I'm clicking this reference here. I'm not, I'm not sure if I. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is actually true. It looks, it looks like it checks out. I mean, there's even a comic about it. No, no. I mean, like I found a <laughs> hang on. No, I mean, there's like a there's like a political comment about it. Oh, yeah, okay. this is wow. so cool. How did I not know about this? Yeah. Why don't you Why don't they teach this stuff in history class? How did I not know about these super awesome ladies? Yeah. So this is a graphic novel about them. Um, what? Yeah, it does say that it is. Uh, it says that it's it's part of a the Suffragitsu trilogy is part of a four world saga, which is a shared world secret society transmedia franchise. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I guess it's it's like a it's an alternate history that spans other you know pieces. I guess that's kind sure. Of why not? <clears throat> why not? It has a bunch of characters listed. None Some of them, of them are real people. <laughs> none of them are Amelia Earhart, though. Nope. None of them look like they'd be associated with Amelia Earhart. I don't know too much about Amelia Earhart. Um, I just, I'm thinking. Well, I don't want to give Tim any ideas, so I'm not going to tell. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about wow. that. Wow. Any more about what I'm going to actually be looking for until I find it. So, it's kind um, of staying close to his chest. Yes. Uh, well, uh, let's see. What am I going to click on here? What are you going to click on? Vandalism. It's literally a question that I've been asking. I I had said I there's secret history is linked, and so I'm going to click on that because I really think <laughs> that Amelia Earhart. It's just one of those just disappearances and stuff like that are always big into that. So I'm going to yeah. hope that she's in there, secret and history. so I'm going to secret history. There's so, got to be something about it. Yeah. Well, let's 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 uh, let's hope. Uh, this this is definitely not going to open us up to lots of spinning out into conspiracy theories, but all right. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tim, what are you clicking on? So the oh, the Ringling it. Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, in its in its name, its current name is almost a uh, hundred years old. It was created in 1919, merging two you know other circuses. Mm. Uh, recently, it's in news because. Uh, it recently announced that it is going to be phasing elephants out of their oh, uh, ads. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think them. it's 2018. They're re- they are retiring their elephants finally. Wow. After a lot of sort of public um, outcry. They've been getting lawsuits recently uh, in recent years <laughs> from, you know, PETA elephants. and other groups and stuff. Oh. No, not the elephants. <laughs> They're pretty and, smart, uh, Tim. I don't know. They, yeah, they've managed, I mean, they managed to fend off these lawsuits. Yeah. But they've just sort of been like, well, you know, it, it's increasingly getting that, that the, the public, that people don't want the elephants in the act, that they want these elephants, you know, to have their own lives and stuff. So we're like, okay, we'll do it. Huh. Wow. That's kind of We're phasing them cool. out. Yep. Yeah. They're like, we're, they're like, I, the NPR report is like, they're like, you know, we, we've lasted almost, you know, a hundred years by sort of adapting with times and stuff. And if this is what people want, we're going to do it. Yeah. 
it also might Makes be sense. because they have a whole bunch of other lawsuits in different states and stuff too. But uh, you, you know, know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, spin that nicely. Yes. Um, so if the the elephant debacle is the sort elephant of a, in the room, a diverted uh, disaster. Let's talk about a real disaster that happened oh, uh, no. in the Barnum and Bailey Circus, the Hartford Circus fire. Okay. Um, which is a terrible situation in which uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, a circus tent caught fire. Um, yep. And uh, more than 150 people were killed and many more injured. And basically, it was under a big canvas tent, and a lot of people could have just gotten out of the tent, but it didn't happen. For some reason, though, the, the Wikipedia article as it currently is written, is kind of ridiculous. Um, so I'll start from the beginning. The Hartford Circus fire occurred on July 6, 1944. In Hartford, Connecticut, during an afternoon performance that was attended by approximately 7,500 to 8,700 people, it was one of the worst fire disasters in the history of the United States. Emmett Kelly, the tramp clown, threw a bucket of water at the burning canvas tent in a futile effort to put the fire out. Citation needed. Citation needed. Mm-hmm. Who, who added that? That is ridiculous. There's yeah. no way, yeah. But ultimately, Although, more than like ultimately more than 150 people were killed and hundreds more were injured. It's like, why did you like why? Some people, some chess pigeon out there, just you know, yeah, just needs to needs to put it in there. You know what would make the article on this disaster more charming? <laughs> some, Adding that tramp clown some trying levity. to futilely throw a bucket of water on it. Yeah, yeah. it's like ah. Uh, yep. So. In the following investigation, it was discovered that the tent had not been fireproofed. Ringling Brothers had applied to the Army, which had an absolute priority on the material, the fireproofing material. For enough fireproofing liquid to treat their big top, the Army refused. The circus had instead waterproofed their canvas using an older method of paraffin dissolved in gasoline and painted onto the canvas. Oh my gosh. The waterproofing worked. Wow. <laughs> but uh, obviously it didn't fireproof it. No. Oh man, that's like... That was just like setting it up to be like, hey, you know what could, you know can what we, would make this more flammable? Yeah. Can we, can we have some fireproofing liquid to put over our gasoline, please? Oh my On our gosh. tent? No? Oh, okay. I guess, I guess we'll be fine. Yeah. It says, uh, circus management was found to be negligent and several ringling executives served sentences in jail. The management set aside all profits for the next 10 years to pay the claims filed against the show wow. by the city of Hartford and the survivors. Yeah. You think that would just like shut it down? You think, but Jeez. wow, they're still going. Crazy. Yep. Uh, I am going to, from here, uh, it talks about how the circus flourished through the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties was a time oh, that hey. uh, Amelia Earhart lived through. Wow. So let's go for that. Sure. All right, let me find this on your page. Yeah, yeah. Earhart was alive during during that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is accurate. She, I think she probably did. She make the flight in the twenties. I, I she, don't know, Sky. We'll oh, find out. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's go to. Uh, actually, you know what? Before we continue on to uh, secret history. Yeah. To to Sky's secret history. Uh huh. Uh, you Did you get actually, us a sponsor? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Are we making money now? No, okay. no, we're not, Sky. Never no mind. one's making money. Go ahead. Uh, before, uh, Tim was actually the one that picked the route I took. Oh, okay. Uh, it was not, it was not Sky. Da, da, da. Talking, speaking of secret histories, it was me. Uh, no, it was, <laughs> let's, let's tag along and take, take the really horrible story of the Hartford Fire 
and talk about something from the Ringling Brothers that was actually super awesome. Uh, I prepared for you guys uh, on a offshoot page from the Ringling Bro- Brothers is oh you, you can call them the Ringling Bros. Bros. They're Ringling adapting Bros. to the times. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They're the Ringling Bros. So uh, there was a particular uh, along with actual human people. And uh, it, oh. a lot of the stars of the, of the circus are animals, of course. And one of the largest, in fact, I think the largest star of the Ringling Bros uh, in, in their history anyway has been Jumbo the Elephant. Uh, speaking, you said, you said this is going to be awesome? Oh, oh, it's pretty awesome. I, I mean, terrible, but awesome. I mean, it has both of those meanings, Tim. Okay. Um, so I went and I looked up some facts about Jumbo. And uh, from the Wikipedia page, we're going to go back to a game that I I did a while ago called Citation Needed. And I'm going to tell you guys a fact and you get to tell me whether or not it's real or whether or not it made it onto the Wikipedia page. Let's let's put it that way. That's that. I don't know how real any of these are, except for the ones that I actually went and looked up because they were too crazy. Um, Where I followed the citation. So anyway. I'm going to give you uh, a fact and you guys tell me whether it is true, Wikipedia true, or or just false altogether. Uh, all right. So about Jumbo the Elephant, uh, he is uh, he's very well known uh, among the U.S., but he's actually better known in Europe because, <clears throat> first fact, Jumbo is actually the second African elephant to reach modern Europe alive after the after two uh, who were kept in private menageries. Is that true or false? Uh, true. True. Uh, he's actually the first one. He's the first one who made it. Oh, wow. From Africa to Europe alive, which means there were lots who did not. That's not, I don't, yeah. Uh, they, from, uh, from Africa, he actually made it to an Italian uh, executive who, or uh, animal dealer who got him to, to France and from France, uh, he was actually traded to, and fact number two, uh, officials of the Jardin de Plantes in, Fra- in Paris traded him to the London Zoological Gardens for a rhinoceros. False. True. It's true. They, they were like, hey, I got this pretty sweet rhino over here. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Our elephant doesn't have a horn. That rhino has a horn. <laughs> Let's get that rhino. Um. In in France, uh, Jumbo was upstaged. I'm just going to go back to France here real quick. Uh, in France, Jumbo was upstaged by two baby elephants named Castor and Pollux, uh, who okay. ended up being who ended up being eaten by the starving French in 1870 during a war. False. The French would never eat elephants. I'm going to say true. <clears throat> Do you have reasoning for that? <laughs> Me? You sounded like you because, have an explanation. Because he believes that the French will eat baby elephants. Because he's right. In Les Mis, oh, there's that no. statue. There's there's a statue of an elephant that they ate. That and what's his face? Comment look delicious or that's what? What's his face lives in? So um, he's right. I figure it's got to be commemorating something or some well, reason that there's a giant elephant. Apparently, yeah. I know nothing about the French nor elephants. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, in London, um, Matthew Scotty Scott uh, named Jumbo after his own childhood nickname, which he never explained further. True or false? Uh, False. 
Uh, it is false. Uh, oh, then God, we, we actually we actually don't know where this name came from. It's <laughs> it's really unclear. Uh, the closest we can come to is uh, Abraham Bartlett, who was the zoo superintendent. Uh, he recently, I guess, previously to Jumbo, named a gorilla Mumbo, and so people think it may have been a joke of his own. Oh, yeah. But it's really not clear. It sounds close to a couple words in Swahili, so maybe some English people got it wrong. But uh, because before this, Jumbo didn't mean anything. It wasn't like right. it was large. Yeah. That, yeah, no. that came from it, be, you know, an elephant. Yeah, in fact, uh, <laughs> one of his one of his biggest uh, parts of his legacy, and there were a lot of big things about him, but it, it, it's his name that we use that as a word now. Wow. Um, all right. <clears throat> the young Winston Churchill rode in Jumbo Saddle once. Uh, uh, false. Tim's gun shy at this point. Did we lose Tim? I think we lost him. Dang it. No. No, no. Hey. hey. Hello. Hey. So true or false? Uh, false. Uh, it's actually true. Damn. <laughs> ah, dang it. I got that one wrong, too. Winston Churchill rode in Jumbo Saddle once as a child. I am, I am zero for, for everything. Uh, how about zero this? Zero for Jumbo. Zero for Jumbo. Zero for Jumbo. How about this? Uh, Jumbo's wife was named Alice, uh, uh, presumably after Alice's adventures in Wonderland. True. False. True. I thought Jumbo was a girl. Nope, Jumbo's a dude. Uh, You're close, though, because he did not like her at all. He totally ignored (laughs) her all the time. One of these days, Alice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He really ignored her a lot, apparently. Uh, had a hard life yeah so uh he got uh he got uh, the the barnum and bailey uh bought jumbo and they brought him over to the u.s not only did he make it from africa to europe he made it from europe to the u.s which is insane (laughs) uh but uh britain had a really big deal they were so upset about this they i mean this is just factual. Like they, there, there was a, just a huge outpouring of anger about it because, oh, wow. because people were so attached to Jumbo somehow, this temperamental elephant that no <laughs> one could go near except one zookeeper. Yeah. People really loved him in, in national in icon. Yeah. yeah, he was, he was. Wow. And it actually exploded even further than that because once he, uh, once he left London, uh, the outrage included um, a lot of letters written to the Ringling Brothers, uh, or I'm sorry, ba- Barnum and Bailey. I'm sorry. Uh, letters written to them from children saying, leave the elephant alone, basically. <laughs> and including also a quote unquote letter posted in all over uh, London from Jumbo's wife, Alice, uh, saying how sad she would be if he left. I'm not kidding. I'll show this letter to you. Which is, that's totally be a lie. <laughs> She's like, get him out of here. This dude's yeah. not, a, he's not paying attention at all. Um, yeah, so there you go. There's a, a picture of the, the, the post that went up uh, with, a, with a small poem from Alice saying, Jumbo's gone and left me. What am I to do? He's gone across the Brin Sea to Barnum's Yankee Zoo. Wow. So 
poor Alice. Yeah. At least she, I mean, she's a pretty decent poet, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, he showed up, he started showing up in advertising and, and, uh, and products and things like that. Some of the ads, fact, again, uh, some of the ads showed him in odd places, like an opera house or a Wild West saloon. True <laughs> or false? Mm-hmm. Uh, true. true. Absolutely true. Yes, it is. Are you kidding yeah, me? got one. Uh, also, uh, pot holders, cigars, and a sewing machine were all named after Jumbo, and he was used in advertising to sell sh- soap, thread, and baking powder. True or false? True. Uh, false. It was true. He sold all of those things. Wow. <laughs> Some of the ads are pretty great. Uh, you should look. You should look elsewhere on the jumbo page uh, to to check them out. Uh, they are they are pretty wonderful. Uh, sometimes they show him like handing someone a cookie, uh-huh. or yeah, or giving people a ride. It's not. Yeah. So. Uh, Barnum is famous for doing really big stunts and really ridiculous things uh, to get people to pay attention to his circus. Um, as one of those, uh, as a publicity stunt, Barnum had Jumbo sit for a private screening of Dumbo. True or false? False. Sit for a private screening of Dumbo? False. It's false. <clears throat> but it would have been great and it sounded just like something he would actually do. Uh so, and we're going to go back to conspiracy theories quick because uh, Jumbo died in a train accident. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it that's, is, that's why I was kind of like, this is going to be a happy little quiz. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 a weird one. <laughs> um, he yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but it was a train accident. It was literally a train wreck in every in every uh, definition of the phrase. Um, <clears throat> when Jumbo died, keepers in London Gave Alice a uh, gave her black to wear and a widow's cap. Oh my gosh! Oh, please be true. It's totally true. Yes. If they were if they were gonna write a stupid poem, (laughs) they're gonna dress. They would be doing that too. Dress up the elephant. So after he died, uh, they uh, scientists um, scientists dissected him. Oh my gosh! Poor Jumbo cannot get a break. Just leave me alone. I'm an elephant. It gets worse, man. Uh, after Jumbo's death, scientists dissected him and found a human hand in his stomach. True or false? Uh, false. True. It's false. Oh. However, they did find coins, keys, rivets, screws, and a policeman's whistle. Yay! Still attached to the, still attached still to the attached human to hand. Still attached to the human yeah. hand. Yeah. Yes. No. Uh, so he, uh, the, the, he actually, they, they had taxidermied the body. Um, the skeleton, I can't remember where that is placed, but the, um, the, the hide itself, the taxidermy, taxidermied hide uh-huh. was stored at Tufts University. Well, it burned. Uh, there was a big fire. Along with a lot of other things, uh, his hide was just completely burned to, to ashes. Oh, my gosh. When the hide was Poor destroyed. Jumbo. Yeah. When the hide was destroyed, what was believed to be Jumbo's ashes were the put soul in of Jumbo <laughs> were put in a Peter Pan crunchy peanut butter jar, which was then <sighs> kept and rubbed by athletes at Tufts for good luck before a game. True or false? True. True. Yeah, it's totally true. Yeah. I some of these I just couldn't make up a better thing. I couldn't come up with anything better than that. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Poor Jumbo. Uh, Poor Jumbo. Well, one last one. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 
This is my favorite so far. Yeah. Uh, just before the stuffed Jumbo and his skeleton were put on display, uh, P.T. Barnum uh-huh. invited journalists and high society ladies to a party in a fancy hotel. He made speeches and then served his guests a gelatin dish made from Jumbo's ground tusks. True or false? False. True. True. Nope. Totally did it. I looked it up. That is the grossest. He, well, okay. It's true if you believe the word of a journalist at the time who wrote it in a memoir uh, that uh, just... Of a secret history. Yeah, yeah. It's... It's possible, and from what we know about Barnum, it's probable. I mean, come on. He was a jerk. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. That was an interesting quiz. Wow. (laughs) About Jumbo the Elephant. And so now we don't have to talk about the elephant in the room any longer. We can go right on to uh, Secret History. Because he's no longer in the room. He is ashes. He is ashes in a peanut can. In a peanut jar. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Secret History. Uh, so secret history is a revisionist interpretation of either fictional or real history, which is claimed to have been deliberately suppressed, forgotten, or ignored by established scholars. This is not exactly what I thought it was going to be when I clicked no. on this. No. Um, it's also used to describe a type of genre of fiction, which portrays a substantially different motivation or backstory from established historical events. Okay. That is what I, that is what I had planned on. Um, so yeah, there's just a bunch of secret histories in here, and Amelia Earhart is not on this page, unfortunately. Surprising, honestly. <laughs> but there's a lot, you know. There's 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 fictional secret histories, secret history thrillers. Um, you know, like there's there's Stadelag, Texas, uh, in which an escaped German prisoner uh, nearly succeeds in destroying the American nuclear laboratory at Los Alamos um enigma where an embittered code breaker nearly betrays to nazi germany the vital and closely guarded secret that the allies mm. are able to read its secret messages um man the eagle has landed where german commandos nearly succeed in kidnapping british prime minister winston churchill out of wartime england every everything's about nazis <laughs> um there's another yeah. one, uh, The Leader and the Damned, where Adolf Hitler was assassinated in 1943, but his death was kept a secret, and the man who led Nazi Germany in the last two years of the war was a double. Oh, There's dang. also another one, and I'm not sure where it is, but I read it, and it says that it was a double that, you know, committed suicide, and he lived in, like, the gulag for a while. It was really, wow. really wow. weird things. So there's just all these different alternate histories. Well, it which, only took us uh, three pages in to get to Nazis. So that's that's a pretty good record, I think. That's true. Yeah. This is all the Nazis. But <laughs> so one of the things I know about Amelia Earhart is she was friends with another lady. And that lady was. Was what? Was who? Oh, my gosh. Who is Eleanor it? Roosevelt. Oh, oh I knew she's in here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there's a mystery series by Elliot Roosevelt. Oh, in which his mother, Eleanor Roosevelt, is the detective. Sweet. Yep. Murder (laughs) mysteries in the Franklin D. Roosevelt White House. (laughs) Yep. They they involved historical persons and fictional events. Uh, In one book of the series, Murder at the Chateau, Eleanor Roosevelt is involved not only in a murder mystery, but also in a high level secret conference in occupied France, which nearly ends with a diplomatic deal to end World War II in 1941. Oh, 
so crazy. This, is this so was much later adapted into the the series Murder She Wrote. Yes, yes. But Eleanor Roosevelt was friends with a lot of ladies. She if was. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna click out, click on her because I I think I remember connections with her and Amelia. She's pretty cool. So I'm Adam well, Eleanor Roosevelt. More cool ladies. Oh my gosh, this is such a cool picture. I'm All the cool to you ladies. Guys. All the cool ladies. All the cool ladies. <laughs> All the cool ladies. Um, All right. Hey, Tim, let's go to the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties is an enormous Wikipedia article. Really, really big. Oh, yeah. So here's, here's some things that happened during the 1920s. <laughs> um, economic policies. Great. New infrastructure. Suffrage. Yeah. The Lost Generation. Uh, writers hanging out in Paris and oh. inspiring Woody Allen. Yeah. Um, Social criticism. The Chrysler Building happened in the 1920s. Was the tallest building of the time. It is a pretty building, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Steamboat Willie and Disney Shorts started in the 1920s. The Harlem Renaissance. The Foxtrot and the Waltz were popular. The Apollo Theater was the hip place to go. Um, women started uh, bearing their lower legs and oh, arms. Okay. Whew. <laughs> um <laughs> prohibition speakeasies uh the great gatsby sports <laughs> sports happened in the 20s wow Some sports. calvin coolidge <laughs> calvin coolidge happened in the 20s is the first president to use which form of media um, the radio wasn't it? the radio yeah. yes yeah in february 12 1924 he became the first president of the united states to deliver a political speech on radio Ten days later, he also became the first to deliver a speech from the White House wow. on radio. He is famous for this quotation, the chief business of the American people is business, Great. as well as everything is awesome. Everything is <laughs> when you're a part of the team. <laughs> wow. Okay, not really. Yeah, um, I think so. But you know what else happened in the 20s? What happened in the 20s? A certain prominent figure. What? In the field of aviation. What? Charles Lindbergh. It was oh. Charles Lindbergh. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amelia Earhart is not on this page. Oh, really? <laughs> no, what? she's not. Oh. I thought yeah. she did fly in the 19... 19- I thought she did too, but apparently not. 1920s. So I'm actually going to go with Charles Lindbergh. Because I think uh, oh, uh, yeah. he and Earhart hung out, right? Or that, else they're usually the, with each other. That was the other person I was looking for. Is he Charles, either going to be Eleanor like, or Charles? He's like... It's like the male Amelia Earhart. I love Charles Lindbergh. I read I've his, actually not read a lot on him. I read his he's autobiography a, in high school. His, his no hair, way. His yeah. hair gives him a strangely shaped head. Early aviation is is really fascinating because they basically treat planes like just like like Harleys almost, and they just like travel <laughs> around. They just fly around, and um, I'll talk more about it oh, when wow. we get to that page. Obviously, I don't want to. That that is a very odd. I don't want to jump the god the gun. But yeah, he also had a really weird haircut, and he just looks very sad. Mm-hmm. Rough life. All right. Well, you're going to go with Charles Lindbergh. All right, Sky. Let's go uh, from. Well, go to Eleanor Roosevelt in her multiplicity. Yeah, she was a, she was a, a first lady. <laughs> yes, Excellent. she was. Yep. Yep. She uh, she's pretty great. I guess <laughs> I never really looked at this page much. Is that so? Uh, uh, no, but I did find. So uh, for some reason, I know she, she 
she is very friendly with ladies mm -hmm. and some of her relationships had supposedly sexual uh, aspects. That is accurate. And that's basically as far as you can get in that time as far <laughs> as uh, describing what's happening. Um, so, but I have another relationships that she had a very close relationship with legendary pilot phenomenon, Amelia Earhart. What? Yep. Oh man. One time the two sneaked out from the white house and went to a party dressed up for the occasion. Roosevelt also had a close relationship with Associated Press reporter Lorena Hickok, who covered her during the last months of the presidential campaign and fell madly in love with her, quote unquote. Oh, hi. Um, she wrote daily 10 to 15 page letters to Hick, was wow. much her nickname for Hickok. Sure. Um, and she and Hickok planned to write a biography of her. The letters include such endearments as I want to put my arms around you and kiss you at the corner of your mouth and I can't kiss you. So I kiss your picture. Good night and good morning. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. uh, let's see. There's yeah, there's a lot of difference romance stuff. It's super weird. Their yeah. relationship was so strange. I mean, it's weird. Uh, it's weird just on, you know, weird levels. Like <laughs> basically just the way that they describe it. It's not. And it's not even that they were weird with each other, um, but how like the things that, yeah, basically the letters are all we have. The couple letters that we yeah, have and they're just so strange. It's really out there. Like, <laughs> anyway, I, I can see it for some reason. Picture is italicized here, so it says, "I can't kiss you, so I kiss your picture." Good night and good morning. Yeah, I just got to imagine that they had like a little inside joke. Like yes, yes. Like, can you imagine how like oh man, those two are just should get a room. It's like oh yeah, they're just all about <laughs> each other. It's like I bet they just kiss their pictures like good night when they can't be together, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so Exactly. This is just an inside sarcastic, sarcastic joke. Yes. But we all think that it's really strange. Yeah, um, it's very strange. But, but yeah, she is a super cool lady, though. Yeah, and she had other... I mean, it was... I guess it, this just became a thing. Like, her her romantic life became just well, a legend, in a way. In, a in later way. years, she was said to develop a romantic attachment to her physician, David Gertwich. That was oh. very like likely very limited to a deep friendship, which it just sounds like... <laughs> The public can't and the public and the press can't figure out what where the line is between deep friendship and like sexual relationship and romantic yeah. relationship. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, I don't I should probably have looked at the rest of this page, but I was well, just excited to find Amelia suffice Earhart. to say for right now, because she was so connected, I'll bet we come back here again. Um, suffice to say for right now, she was really active in, uh, in civil rights and, yes. uh, in, in, uh, that, that whole push, um, to the point that, and this is important. She actually went up against her husband a couple times on, on a few things. And oh, wow. I, oh yeah, yeah. I there, that. there are some pretty legendary, uh, moments, I guess, in that history where presidentially he made a decision and she said, Nope, bad idea. So, uh, yeah, well, I have a feeling we'll come back to her. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. She was a, a super cool lady uh, and was very involved in civil rights. But you yep. found the link. Yep. Amelia Earhart. So, Here she be. Uh, speaking of weird haircuts. <clears throat> Everyone uh, in the 20s had a weird haircut, apparently. That, that's kind of they were They were discovering haircuts. Since 1935. Time. They were discovering haircuts. It was a haircut renaissance. Every time you turned over a rock, you're like, oh, it's a new haircut. 
Look at that. Let's try that on. <laughs> look at look at the shape of this rock. <laughs> Let's try this with our hair. Tim, do you want to try to get there in a in a click? Did Charles Lindbergh hang out with Amelia Earhart? Um, Amelia Earhart is on the page with Charles Lindbergh, but she is under C also. Oh no! Oh no! No, that's the worst. C also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. It's well, okay. yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about Amelia Earhart for a moment. Because Ooh. super cool lady, again, more super cool ladies. <laughs> Good job. Super cool ladies. You really theme this pretty well. I know. It works out really well. Nice job, guys. <laughs> it's super cool ladies, and I end up on Charles Lindbergh. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Well, you know, you win some, you lose some, too. Yep. <laughs> uh, she is a very interesting person, uh, not, not the least of which. Uh, Did you want for... to talk about Charles Lindbergh at oh, all? Oh, yeah. Go ahead if you like. Um, I just wanted to mention one little thing. Um, everyone knows about, of course, his flight across the Atlantic and how he became really famous for that. Yep. Um, a lot of people also know about the uh, kidnapping of his child mm -hmm. and uh, the resulting uh, media circus that came from that and the um, the trial that proceeded. Um, after all that, he decided that he was just going to leave America. Oh, I didn't know that. He chartered a ship to sail secretly, basically from America to Liverpool, England. Mm -hmm. um, the family traveled under assumed names and used diplomatic passports that had been issued a week earlier. To the personal intervention of the secretary of the treasury. Wow. Um, Secret. So, yeah. Um, of course, he sort of disappeared, but of course, it, it's it became known that media found out. Yeah, eventually. Um, Where's that Lindbergh guy? Yeah, <laughs> he's so popular. Uh, so he he offered quote no public explanation for the unannounced departure. Pretty um, pretty good one. <laughs> oh wait a minute. Okay, he actually. I'm sorry. Uh, he actually told uh, a New York Times editor uh, that he was doing this. He was a longtime family friend. Mm. Um, he said, you can, you can write this story after we're gone. Just don't include this or this, or don't say what ship we were on and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so they did that. And so in the interview, um, Lindbergh told Lyman, uh, the editor, yeah. uh, quote, we Americans are a primitive people. We do not have discipline. Our moral standards are low. It shows up in the private lives of people we know, their drinking and behavior with women. It shows in the newspapers and the morbid curiosity over crimes and murder trials. Wow. Americans seem to have little respect for law or the rights of others. Yeah, so, that, that's accurate. True American yeah. hero. Yep. Yeah. He's like, that's why I'm getting out of here. Wow. They made a brief unannounced holiday visit to the U.S. in December 1937, um, but they continued to live uh, extensively in Europe. Um, before they finally returned to the United States in 1939 um, to Long Island. Um, he accepted a temporary call up to active duty to help evaluate um, the Air Corps, uh, Army Air Corps readiness for a potential war. That's pretty much the only reason he came back. Mm. Yeah, which seems that seems weird mm -hmm. that he'd be the authority on that. Well, he actually, let me see here. I think he served in the war. He, this is, of course, a very large article as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Um, 
when I read his, his the autobiography I read was like about his early life. And he was talking about when he got his plane, um, he didn't really know. He just wanted to fly and he didn't really know what to do with it besides fly. So he just, he would fly around like the U.S. and just like touch down in cornfields, uh, work at like a grocery store for a few weeks, get enough money for gas and then fly away. You know, oh he'd, find, he'd find somebody that want to, you know, house him for a time. And that's incredible. And this one time he, he actually crashed into a hardware store. And so he had to work at the hardware store for like two months. And <clears throat> like his, his plane was like sticking out of the hardware store for a long time. And so he like worked there to pay off like the damage he did. And they helped him repair his plane so he could get back out there. Oh, man. So and I think he did some mail stuff for a while, too. Uh, delivered some some mail but yeah it's just crazy to think like it just you know there were other people doing the same thing so it's just like these these guys in planes just you know paul jumping around it just seems crazy to think of here we go um regarding Lindbergh and war here before the u.s entered world war ii Lindbergh had been an advocate of keeping the u.s out of it yeah i remember he was a big uh, um as had his father who was a congressman charles august Lindbergh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um he although he was a leader in the anti-war movement um once pearl harbor happened he strongly supported the war effort and flew 50 combat missions in the pacific theater of world war ii oh, wow. as a civilian consultant wow Jeez, i had no idea yeah that's incredible very so cool. there you go. Well, another uh, another very interesting person who flew things. Uh, Amelia Earhart is she she is just the most interesting lady. Um, I mean, all right. So she she uh, grew up in do to do. She was born in Kansas. So she's, you know, right in our our Midwest, you know, that background. Yeah. But um she had a very uh, a very formative moment early in her life. Uh, early flying experiences under her. Uh, about the time with a young woman friend, Earhart visited an airfield in conjunction with the Canadian National Exposition in Toronto. One of the highlights of the day was a flying exhibition put on by a World War I ace. The pilot overhead spotted Earhart and her friend who were watching from an isolated clearing and uh, basically said to himself, you know, I'm going to scare these girls. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to dive at these girls and, you know, make them run uh, because it'll be funny. What a jerk. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, apparently she did not budge. (laughs) Like she stood her ground as the aircraft came close. And later she said, uh, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't understand it at the time, but I think that little red airplane said something to me as it went by. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, she uh, she pushed hard to become an aviator. Um, she had to, you know, she had to go to school for this and learn, you know, how to how to pilot these things. Uh, she <laughs> along those lines. It says here, I I don't know, I didn't click on the citation here, but uh, she chose a leather leather jacket to fit in with the you know, other aviators. Um. But aware that other aviators would be judging her, she slept in it for three nights to give the jacket a worn look. <laughs> nice. And uh, she cut her hair short because she thought that was the style of uh, female flyers. Uh, I like that her plane, uh, her first plane that she owned, uh, she named it the Canary, which I think is really cool. 
And uh, her next plane after the after the Canary, she named the Yellow Peril, which sounds awesome. It does sound awesome. <laughs> uh, it's not the plane that she flew across the transatlantic, though. Uh, what is the name of that one? I'm not finding it here offhand. But uh, she uh, she became widely known after her transatlantic flight in 1928, I believe. Yes, in, in 28. Uh, she became widely known along with Lindbergh as sort of the female of the set, so to speak. And uh, I like Lindbergh uh, became sort of an icon of the time, but uh, that for the 28 flight, she she flew with someone else. Uh, the later one, uh, she flew alone in 32. Um, but the other thing that makes her very, uh, that she was very well known for at the time was basically having a very loose concept a very loose definition of what marriage meant to her. Uh, she was engaged to, 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 oh no, no, she, she married a guy named George Putnam who was known to her as GP. She, in her letters to him, um, they got married. Uh, he proposed to her six times before she finally acquiesced. All right. After substantial hesitation on her part, they married on uh, February 7th, 1931 in Putnam's mother's house in Noah, Connecticut. Earhart referred to her marriage as a, quote, partnership with, quote, dual control. In a letter to Putnam, uh, hand delivered to him on the day of the wedding, she wrote, I want you to understand I shall not hold you to any medieval code of faithfulness to me, nor shall I consider myself bound to you similarly, end quote. Yeesh. Uh, she would not. She did not take his name, and uh, the papers thought that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, they called. They called her Mrs. Putnam anyway, and she she laughed it off mostly. Sure. Um, she still insisted on being called uh, Ms. Earhart, um, and that became such a sticking point for a lot of media at the time that uh, they started calling him uh, uh, George Putnam. They started ca- calling him. Mr. Earhart, kind of <laughs> as a joke to say, like, "Hey, well, yeah. someone's got to take someone's name." There you so, go. Uh, yeah, they had a they had a weird situation, huh. <laughs> uh, but she was. Uh, but it wasn't until thirty two when she took her flight across. Um, oh well, no, 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 it wasn't it. Uh, do do do. Where, where's the one? Was it the world flight in thirty seven? That's right. Nineteen thirty seven is where she uh, she planned the uh, flight and uh, vanished. Anyway, uh, she is kind of a uh, sort of a sci-fi darling, though, because I, as I was looking down this page, she shows up in so many TV shows and radio dramas and things like oh, that. Yeah. It's amazing how many things she's shown up in. Yeah. Uh, two different Star Trek series. What? Yeah. Uh, she's shown up on Doctor Who a couple times, apparently. Um, or at least what the the spinoff one of the spinoffs from that. Um, she is uh, she's in the Night of the Museum movies. Uh, she was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. She, what? Yeah, yeah. That's so weird. Uh, she uh, let's see what else. Um, she was in a spinoff from the uh, from the Twilight Zone. There was a uh, called the Night Gallery in which there was a guy who collected rare humans and she was one of them. 
and speaking of secret histories, there's a lot of uh, secret histories that show her and her navigator as international spies. Yeah, which I can't believe wasn't on the secret histories page. That's really surprising. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, super just, cool ladies. And so much mystery about. I mean, it's it's almost kind of unfair that the mystery <laughs> part, the mystery part, sort of overshadows her. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's so many of these things where it's like, oh, what happened to her? Instead of like, you know, what did she do? Well, and it's it's interesting that they it's such a romantic idea, I guess, of kind well, the same way with Lindbergh, uh, with his, you know, kind of jet setting around the world, going from place to place, sort of as a a hobo of the sky, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's very possible that this is. It's it's possible that that's something that people latch onto to say like oh that's such a it's such a a nice idea to be able to just cut ties and just go and um, it's really interesting because in so many of the things that I've seen her in you know where she's shown up here and there I, and also she's a free character so to speak a free thinking lady that had yeah. a lot of strong ideas that would have fit in a better time or she would have been in better in a different time than she was, than she was living in. Um, she uh, it's, it's interesting to me that in so many of these things that they, that she shows up in, uh, she falls in love with a character on the show or something like that. And everything that I've read about her just says that that would not be the case. (laughs) That would not be what she does. She does not care. Um, Yeah. So anyway, really interesting. One of the cool things is she has a, a minor planet named after her. Is that so? Yep. Uh, 3895 Earhart, a minor planet discovered in 1987, named in 1995 uh, by its discoverer, Carolyn S. Shoemaker. That's awesome. Uh, she also has a corona on Venus named after her. Whoa. In 1982. <laughs> this is really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming along with me on a trip from a really super strong lady to a jet setting lady, uh, just to celebrate some of the really cool ladies in our history. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think this is pretty nice for an international women's day. If you want to hear more of our podcasts, you can, you can look up our <laughs> page at wskbcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at wskbcast. You can find us on Tumblr, uh, wskbcast.tumblr.com, and you can look up us look us up on Facebook at We Should Know Better uh, on Facebook. I think it's slash We Should Know Better, or is, or is it slash WSKBcast? <clears throat> I think it's slash WSKBcast. Okay. Uh, you can also look us up on iTunes, and you should please please subscribe. And uh, and if you have ten extra seconds, give us a rating. And if you have ten more seconds. Uh, please give us a, a review as well. Any of those things would be really cool of you to do. Thank you so much. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys for coming along with me for this really cool uh, International Women's Day. And yeah, <laughs> it was, these are these. I, I'm I'm really glad we get to learn about some of these really cool ladies. I um, well, I, I am. I I mean, well, no, I'm just I'm just still kind of kind of sad that I landed on a dude. <laughs> it's like we learned about all these incredible ladies this and a guy sad i landed on dude well in yeah. fairness in fairness i took us to an elephant for a while so you know oh yeah and it was yeah. a guy elephant 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I did not think of it in that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't, we can't have it all. Can't hug all the cats, Tim. No. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, see you guys later. All right. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we can get suffragitsu from my suffragitsu. suffragitsu. That sounds so oh. awesome. Anyway, uh, if you want to hear more of our podcasts, uh, you can check out our, our Blogspot page or not Blogspot. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, you can check it out. No, it is Blogspot, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, I was going to say WordPress. Oh, no. Check out our MySpace page. <laughs> our MySpace page. I am Kyle. I'm Sky. I'm Tim. I'm not. <laughs> As you might have heard, I'm Tim.